Hi everyone, it's Guillaume from Startup Basecamp. Welcome to the Tech for Climate podcast. During the show, you will have the opportunity to meet the best climate tech founders, investors, and experts from both Silicon Valley and around the globe. They will share with you their stories and personal journeys into this growing and exciting industry, giving you some insight into the ecosystems that help you to take part in the fight against climate change and benefit from the opportunities it can represent podcast is divided in two small interviews. So in the first part, you will get to know our speakers, their perspectives on the climate crisis and how climate tech is changing the game. Second part of the discussion will be for members of our community who will learn the speaker's secret sauce on how to and share with you their unique expertise on topics such as fundraising, management, strategy and so on to help you to become a better leader in your field. So before we start, I would like to quickly share what we are doing at Startup Basecamp to support climate tech founders in accessing resources and gaining visibility with investors they seek. Our initiatives include a membership-based community platform offering access to a dedicated Slack group with a growing number of founders, experts and investors from around the world and a series of exclusive content such as interviews, weekly job listings, events, and our quarterly online pitch of night opportunity. But more than a place where you can learn, exchange, and grow, we are building a matchmaking service to facilitate connections between our members and top investors and experts in the field. And soon, alongside with other top investors, we will be launching a small fund to co-invest in the growth and acceleration of our members. Finally, all of this is possible because of your support and donations. We are a small self-funded team and we want you to be part of this collective movement against climate change. So please share one episode with a friend and subscribe to the channels. As an added bonus, we will plant a tree for each of our subscribers each time we reach 1,000 new fans or donors. Do not hesitate to connect with me via social media or email guillaume at Startup Basecamp. Thanks a lot for listening. I hope to get in touch with you soon. And now, let's go for the show. Hi, everyone. Happy 2022. In our first episode of the year, we're beginning the founder series by sitting down with Brittany Salas, co-founder and CEO at Sadu App. Sadu is a play-to-earn marketplace for nature-based carbon credit. The app leverages smartwatches and fitness trackers to connect a sense of personal well-being with the climate crisis, giving companies the ability to reward health and fitness commitments with trees planted in global reforestation projects. In the near future, users will have access to participate in the carbon market through the ease of NFTs. I was excited to have Brittany on the show, an incredible woman passionate about surfing and yoga who spent part of her career in the EU supporting clean tech startups with plug and play venture. After this, she moved back to California and launched Sadu with the vision to bring a bottom-up approach to engage people in the climate crisis. In this episode, we will learn more about her experience of the nature-based carbon removal solutions landscape Together, we will cover the initial challenges of building their product and nailing down the gamification mechanism to engage the user to earn trees. We'll also go deeper into the potential of NFTs for users looking to enter the carbon market, the controversy around blockchain's energy needs, 
how it can be mitigated and the opportunities it offers in the climate crisis. Finally, Brittany will share the next steps necessary in achieving their vision and how you can get involved. During the second part of the talk, Brittany will give a secret sauce for early stage founders looking to bootstrap by relating to her own long and bumpy journey with Sadu Apps early days. Finally, she will share some of the books she learned from and her own work-life balance tips for busy founders. Brittany, welcome to the show. Hi, Brittany. Welcome to the Tech for Climate podcast. We are super happy to have you uh, here with us today for the first episode of the of the year after this uh, long uh, holiday season break. Uh, I hope you had a, a great break too. Yes, awesome. Thank you so much for the invite. I'm really excited to be here um, and share more as we kick off the new year. Fantastic. So before we start, uh, as usual, we like to get a 30 second, uh, 30 second intro about uh, Sadu. Awesome. So Sadu is a play to earn marketplace for nature based carbon credits. So what that means is that anyone can actually earn trees with their fitness activities and participate in the carbon market through the use of NFTs. So we'll get to that in a bit, but that's a quick introduction there. Fantastic. So let's start from the from the top, uh, as uh, you, you know, and uh, all of our followers uh, like to, to hear. It's like when we put uh, the uh, speakers back uh, into uh, into the uh, into the interview as a, as a really the, the human. So we'd like to, le to learn more about like your personal story and background. I mean, what are you passionate about? What do you love to do besides work? I'm sure there's plenty of stuff that you like to do, except uh, uh, building what you are what you are building today. I mean, what makes you feel inspired or, or like your best self? Who, who is Brittany? Yeah, awesome. I mean, I, I do have to admit that in terms of many other things outside of work, there is there is not much. I have to be honest, and it just <laughs> comes from this foundation of the fact that I'm lucky enough to be working on something that I really do care about and, and identify with on a personal level. Um, so outside of just spending time, you know, on a PC, it's about taking care of myself in yoga, going to CrossFit every once in a while, trying to surf when I can. I think those are my three, you know, most favorite activities. Um, and definitely anything that does focus on this sense of like personal wellness and reflection. Um, to just understand how humans relate to each other and, and to the natural world. So those, there's some of, if you can tell, there's a hint of philosophy in there as well um, <laughs> that I just enjoy following and, you know, discussing with friends and family. So, that's amazing. That's so, about, yeah. No, no, go for it. Go for it. I would say that's more of the, the personal side um, as opposed to just focusing on sadhu. Fantastic, and I, and I know as a, as entrepreneurs, you know, especially in the in the early stage, I mean, a, a company is uh, is really like taking a hundred percent, hundred and ten percent of your of your time. Uh, but uh, you always, uh, you know, you always have passion on the side as well, and that's uh, that's what we like to to hear too. So tell us a bit more about your uh, different, uh, I would say, work and life experience that uh, led to the to the launch of uh, Sadu. I mean, what did you learn during that uh, professional journey uh, so far? Uh, that in a way, uh, when you now look back, you can connect all the dots and say, oh, yeah, that's really like uh, skills uh, and situation I found myself into that uh, in a way can really be uh, useful uh, for this uh, new adventure that I'm doing now uh, with Salou. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I think about my experience, it almost seems like everything is leading up to this moment um, in the perfect time. But even from high school, I was pretty interested with this, like the concept of economic development and how the you know global economy functions and why, you know, there's seeming imbalances and inequality and kind of the different ways and systems that address that can be addressed to um, work out those inequalities on an economic and social level. Um, so I studied international political economy and got a double major in philosophy um, for my undergrad. And that led me to really focus on advocating for worker cooperatives or basically different nonprofit initiatives in which individuals were actually taught to um, launch their own businesses and then own a piece of equity within that business. You have this worker owned model. Um, from that, I also started to develop, I would say, greater awareness of, you know, the role that climate and climate tech plays in global equality and inequality and social economics and all of that. Um, and then went to grad school and studied global energy policy and sustainability policy. Um, that is kind of what pushed me into this idea of clean tech um, and working with different startups. So previously to founding this company, I was actually working with plug and play. Um, running one of their sustainability programs within Europe, working with different energy corporations and VCs, basically helping them scout for startups and then do business with one another. Um, and through that process and working with different corporations on the innovation, um, let's say strategies that they were taking, a large part of me realized that no matter how ambitious some of these projects were or you know how much some of these champions and people within these corporations or investors wanted to see the change and wanted to see the scale, in a way that had both the positive economic benefit and a bottom line return for their business while creating a positive environmental return. It still came down to, you know, so many different people within one large scale organization rallying and supporting this specific, let's say, corporate policy. And we can see this, you know, in government policy as well. At the end of the day, there are many, many individual decision makers that play a role in some of the large scale change that really needs to occur quickly to address the climate crisis. And through seeing all of that, I became very motivated, um, I would say, to take a step back and then work on these bottom-up solutions in which that personal motivation is actually communicated to individuals. So that is why now I'm working on, on SADU, which is focused much more on the interaction between the individual and the climate crisis. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I'll stop there. So do you do you think that you have like, um, you know, any driver to, to jump into the, the impact and climate tech uh, industry solely? Because you mentioned uh, your experience with uh, plug and play uh, since 2015, if I don't uh, mistake. Do you recall any aha moments that uh, you can or you would define as such that really was the, the driver to jump into this uh, is this, this road or is really this succession of uh, little uh, uh, experiences or, or big experiences? Yeah, um, so I think it was 2017, but the it was definitely the sum of small parts that led to this um, point in my life. I don't think there was any, like the idea of even founding a company didn't cross my mind until probably 2019. Right. And so for the longest time, I was very much on the side of policy advocacy and looking at, you know, larger scale change as a way to move the needle on climate change um, and just understanding that 
working towards a triple bottom line solution always just interested me. So, you know, social, economic, and environmental understanding, you know, why things work the way they do and how we can tweak systems to create all of those benefits. But it's much more been a process about like learning through experience, understanding where skills I have can actually play a role in creating a new system that can affect some change and kind of tweaking that understanding and then, then my work in order to be able to fit um, a bit more of the solution that I wanted to work on. And that's what led me to decide to start working on a company, right? It's a bit of, a bit of <laughs> just a little bit along the way and learning a lot that's been required for that. Okay. So before we start going to, uh, into details about Sadhu, uh, we'd like to, to zoom out and kind of understand the, uh, the ecosystem that uh, uh, you're evolving into. And uh, here, like uh, nature-based carbon removal solution uh, landscape, it's always like a, a very interesting uh, topic. I'd like to hear a bit more about uh, your opinion on like what is the, the, the situation today compared to, you know, uh, we hear a lot more about uh, director capture, tech, enable solution that, uh, you know, will save all of us by removing all the carbon of the atmosphere. And I think they're very necessary. There's some very exciting things happening there. But tell us a bit more about the natural-based, you know, carbon removal solution landscape today. Uh, you guys are working with, uh, with players directly. Um, Maybe if you can tell us a bit more about them, about the solution existing, uh, why is something to also, I mean, consider and, and go for, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's interesting. I think there's a lot of debate within climate like circles around what is the best solution to tackle the climate crisis with. And inevitably the answer always comes down to everything. Like we need everything possible yeah. to be able to do this. And yes, direct carbon air capture plays a role, like we're already moving closer to, let's say, or over budgeting the amount of carbon that, that should be allocated um, in order to stay below that 1.7 degree limit set out by the IPCC. And so, yes, that will be necessary. But at the same time, if your nature-based solutions will always have a role to play in tackling climate change. One, because there's not enough trees and we will always need more trees. <laughs> like from a bottom line perspective Two, there's also the ecosystem benefits that are extremely important as well so it's not just about taking and measuring this unit of carbon and applying it to more of an economic perspective but also wildlife and habitat restoration and focusing on the benefits of biodiversity that also come with nature-based solutions um, and so while it may be a bit more complex to actually say keep a tree alive or plant trees in ways that provide those ecosystem benefits even potentially measure the carbon that is being sequestered by a tree over its lifetime it's fairly complex but again all of those benefits are compounded by the social and say ecosystem benefits of investing into nature-based solutions um, so on top of you know trees being a bit also easier to comprehend um, especially for those who are outside of a climate movement, you can, there is a tangible feeling to a tree in, in, in the fresh air that you can breathe, in the fact that you can touch it. The, let's say, I think there's this new term coming out for this, but just that feeling of, you know, interconnection when walking through on a hike, 
um, and understanding the human role in the ecosystem, all of these sub benefits are the reasons that, you know, I chose personally to focus on nature based solutions and why I think that regardless of um, where the climate debate is going that, you know, trees are always going to be beneficial for the planet, bottom line. <laughs> No, for sure. And, and who are the, the, the players that you guys are, are working with or that you've identified in the, into the, uh, I mean, I would say more like providers are giving access to those, uh, to those solutions uh, a small or large scale. Uh, how do you, if you can give us a small overview on that landscape uh, based on your uh, you know, knowledge, research and what you have seen so far? Yep. So right now we're working with five different projects. Each of them have their own unique approach to nature-based solutions. These projects are relatively small scale, so they're not on official carbon markets. And a lot of that conversation is based around the fact that the investment into having a you know international body certify their trees as nature-based carbon credits is just the cost-benefit analysis doesn't work out for them. It'd be so much more productive to use that funding to plant trees. Um, and so the projects that we're working with planted, We Forest Trees for the Future, Sea Trees, which actually focuses on kelp restoration and green stand. Each one of them has approaches that vary from, um, let's say, forest gardens. So this is Trees for the Future, working with individual farmers to actually plant trees around their crops and fight desertifications while increasing crop yields. And we have WeForest, they focus a lot on ecosystem biodiversity and habitat restoration. Um, Greenstand is building out a technical infrastructure in which the small scale farmers can actually verify the trees have been planted and share that data um, with any individual looking to actually compensate on a per tree basis um, that work that has been done. Um, MC Trees, they're based out here in California. And I think now that blue carbon or a discussion around how much carbon can be sequestered by the ocean and the huge role that it plays, looking at kelp forests, um, the way that they tackle, let's say the kelp forest and restoration is to be able to remove the bay foundation essentially swims off the coast of California, mediates a population of sea urchins. Sea urchins each eat kelp with less urchins, more kelp forests, the more kelp forests, <laughs> the more they can sequester carbon from the ocean. And then as the kelp dies, the sediments sink to the bottom of the ocean floor and maintain the sequestered carbon. Um, and so that's just an example of some of the work that they do. I'm sure they can all do a very good job of explaining in detail um, their individual missions as an organization as well. <laughs> Fantastic. So on the other side, you have this, um, we'd love to, to, to hear a little bit more about the, uh, um, you know, I was mentioning that before the, the interview, like what I call this employee engagement regarding uh, climate change. Um, mm -hmm. And and I, you know, I believe that Sadu is really trying to to help companies uh, to uh, you know engage uh, in a maybe in a, in a faster and better manner uh, the employees regarding climate change. But is that really something that, based on um, you know your research again, uh, do you see like that there is a real uh, willingness uh, and engagement around that topic uh, in terms of the employee uh, as of today? Do you have any data uh, about that? Or is it more like something that... Uh, what, is the, uh, what is the real situation today? How do you see it when you speak with companies? Uh, you know, um, do you have any data that you could share, share and maybe 
how is like the HR side of it, like the company is like reacting to that? Yeah, in terms, it's a good question. I think what that essentially gets down to is the level of greenwashing that employee engagement or corporate sustainability initiatives um, actually support versus tangible change within an organization. So as I mentioned earlier, understanding when I say tangible change, I mean like direct change to the way work is done, you know, the supply chain um, or different processes that understand, you know, measuring emissions on a very minute detail um, as opposed to investing into, let's say, marketing campaigns that would support external investments into clean technology or sustainability solutions. Um, essentially both are are necessary you know the operational changes needed within a company to reduce emissions and also to communicate those changes and as i mentioned earlier communication and support for those changes is super important because it's not one individual that's championing a sustainability initiative within the organization it's everyone who has to work on that change as well um, and so this is where this concept of employee engagement first developed within Sadhu was like, hey, how do we create an internal movement within a company in which we can gather the support necessary to make those deeper changes? Um, and so that's where the communication aspect plays a big role. I think measuring the success of that communication, no, we don't have data on it yet, um, just to be completely transparent. But it's also another reason why we're focusing much more on building a product for a specific user as an individual and understanding you know, this gamification incentive of what really motivates the user to want to earn trees on a daily basis and feel rewarded and get competitive um, and start there, right? Build out the relationship with the individual user and from there see how that scales to a larger company. Um, mm -hmm. Or you know, anyone who just even wants to like create a movement amongst their friends to do something on a regular basis. It doesn't have to be just companies. Fantastic. So this is a probably a good segue to uh, to go to my next question. Really, like uh, go and uh, do a, a deep dive into uh, into Sadhu. So can you just like you, you mentioned already a part of, of the story, but I'd like to hear a little bit like the and it would be interesting for for the whole audience as well to to learn about like the the initial story with your with your co-founder. Uh, how did you guys uh, meet? Uh, what was your you know initial motivation to start off? Um, and then. If you can cover a bit more like the, the deeper knowledge, the, the, the problem that you guys have identified and you are trying to solve and, and for who at first, I mean, we mentioned companies, we mentioned employees, you mentioned also your, your um, you know, people who regular like uh, end users like, like me who wants to do better maybe with, uh, with his friends. So if you can tell us a bit more about like what is your uh, first demographic that you are going at first or where you see that there is the most uh, response uh, right now? Yeah, definitely. Um, so my co-founder, Elise Cannon, uh, she has a background in data science and product management. She's been with Shell and worked for FinTech for a while in Berlin. She's originally from Australia. Um, we both met while I was living in Berlin through Factory. They have a female founders program, so shout out to that program. Um, both were working on sustainability initiatives at the same time and like eyeing each other like, all right, who is this girl? Like, who is this competition? What are we going <laughs> to How's this going to work? Um, and I think a lot of it, you know, we not only got along as friends, but also we're super mission aligned in how we wanted to spend our time and, and where we wanted to make sure that our effort and our skills were best allocated. Uh, and that was definitely like focusing on 
climate change and building a solution and building a system to address one of the biggest problems that is facing humanity right now. Um, and it's been a super fun journey. Sadhu itself was incorporated in October of 2020. And then we launched our app in beta or the first like public version of the app in July of 2021. Um, so it's been really nice to see just the initial traction. I think we've had around 100, 212 crew challenges. So those are similar to what we were talking about earlier with this mm -hmm. engagement aspect. Um, and so what we're really focused on right now, where we've seen the most adoption is with individuals, whether they be in a company or on their own, who want a clear and easy way to play a role in the solution to climate change and connect or connecting this sense of personal wellness with the health of the planet and starting off by using fitness as a way to recreate that connection and build that incentive to take more larger, let's say, commitments to sustainability in every other area of life. And so it's really a solution for anyone who wants to do something on a regular basis and get an understanding for how they can contribute to um, nature-based solutions to climate change, plant trees, um, at the same time also expand into this concept of not just fitness and personal well-being, but also financial well-being. So what does it mean to invest in nature-based solutions to climate change? How do we then define that investment and how can an individual see a reward, not just in their sense of personal well-being, um, but understand that how they spend their money can have a positive environmental impact. And so I can share more about that in a bit, but that's essentially the, the mission of what we're, we're aiming to do. So I think it's a, it's a good time for, for us to really like uh, get a, a little walkthrough from, from you in terms of the, the user experience. Like I'm, uh, I'm downloading your app on the App Store on, uh, or Google Play. Like, how does it work? Like, how, is, uh, how did you guys like build this app? What is the uh, <clears throat> engagement that you, uh, you put uh, behind that? And uh, tell us a bit more about like the, the user experience of uh, using uh, Sadu. Yeah, so it's super easy right now. Essentially, you can download the app. And if you have, you're working with Fitbit, Apple Health, or Strava, just sync a fitness tracker um, or enter an activity right after it's done into the app directly. Um, and then we'll calculate the amount of trees earned as a result of the calories burned during that activity. Um, and so it's a way for us to kind of measure and anchor the, the relationship between, um, you know, taking care of yourself and the planet at the same time. Um, and essentially we do have these crew challenges. So basically it's a 30 day challenge for anywhere from 10 to 50 members to earn as many trees as possible over those 30 days. Um, it's anywhere from free for 10 members up to $96 for 50 members. And that's actually what covers the cost of the trees. So the way it works is that we have a super active crew and they're running marathons like every week. Then yes, there is a chance that Sadu makes no profit and we have to allocate all of that funding to the different projects. Um, but essentially we've worked out a model in which case the you know average individual who works out, um, we allocate the funding according to those activities and then the rest Sadu uses as its um, revenue model and in order to keep the company running okay. um, and so yeah so we, we'll cover the, the more like the financial part of it uh, a little bit uh, later on the, the interview but then i've been running i've been sweating i spent my 30 days challenge and i have a bunch of trees 
Where do I find them? What's happening with those trees? Uh, how, how does it, how does it work as a as a user? Like, do I visit them time to time in the where are those trees in the rainforest? Are they in California because uh, a lot of them uh, burn down and uh, we need to uh, mm -hmm. to replant them? I mean, tell us a bit more about like the you know after this uh, whole uh, hard effort that I did for the for the for the for planting those trees. What's uh, what's next uh, in the, in terms of uh, user experience? Yeah, I mean, that's great. That's great that you asked us because that's exactly how we got to the solution that we're most excited about implementing. And um, so one important aspect of that question is the verification. How do we know that these trees are actually being planted and where they are? Um, and then another aspect is like, okay, I've earned my trees and now what? What's the, you know, what's the reward? How can I show the, all of the work that has been done for this? Um, so in terms of verification, we're working with partners that can provide satellite imagery of the specific projects that we're working with. And we're also super excited to build in an integration in which each tree can be um, tokenized and the data on when, where, and who planted that tree is actually provided to our app users. And so with that verification data, we essentially want to wrap it into an NFT. Um, that can then be placed on an external marketplace to show either, you know, the personal collection of trees earned um, or to essentially, I mean, and this is the hope that one day that that token will contain enough data to actually exchange on some sort of carbon market. Um, and this way we can engage anyone who essentially wants to earn carbon credits and then resell them in the future. And this depends, of course, on trees staying alive. And this is the most exciting part is that we're essentially building these credits in a way that incentivizes trees not to just get planted, but the longer that tree is alive, the more carbon it sequesters, the more valuable that that token becomes on the carbon market. And so users can then essentially earn a digital asset that appreciates over time. Um, and that's the, the vision for what we're working on. And, I mean, the gamification element, as I, I mentioned earlier, and, and you said like, okay, earn trees, now what? <laughs> this is the important part. Like we put in the work, we log our activities. We, yes, we earn trees in the app through these, these um, challenges, but they function more or less as contributions. It's hard to understand, you know, the transparency behind that. Um, but essentially over time you earn these tokens and that actually contains much more information on the verification and also can have act as an investment. Mm -hmm. Um, for the app user as well. So in, in case of the, the tree dies, for instance, like is it replaced? Is it like the, the token like just uh, is, uh, I mean, right off of the, out of the blockchain. So how, how does it work? And maybe another question is like, uh, I mean, you heard about uh, crypto mining and, um, you know, basically using the same uh, blockchain technology behind it. Very, very consuming in terms of energy, uh, very, you know, brown energy <laughs> often. So how do you see like this parallel between planting trees, but being hosted in a dirty, you know, uh, at least like a, a environment that is very uh, asking a lot of energy to, uh, to be maintained. How do you see that? Yeah. So in terms of the trees dying, I mean, this is the part that's super fun for us and like essentially like why we're raising funding to be able to tackle how we create these portfolios of tokens in a way that accounts for that loss um, and how that you know reserve is um, measured in terms of the carbon that is sequestered when some trees die and then mapping that out into into a portfolio of tokens like 
this is also a shout out to anyone who's listening. If that gets anyone super excited, please come talk to us <laughs> because um, this is definitely the most fun part about what we're working on. Um, but in regards to the energy consumption of mining itself, like, yes, energy, like, one, there are more efficient ways to actually mine cryptocurrency. And as technology develops, we have more and more efficient solutions that are being developed to reduce the energy consumption. Of course, there's most clearly right now is the difference between proof of work and proof of stake, proof of stake being much lower. Um, and then in addition to that, there are different projects that are working on the you know renewable energy credits themselves and using that to actually verify where the energy for these different operations is coming from and how much of these renewable energy credits make up the mining operations of these specific projects. So that's one avenue and steps that are being taken to ensure that there is more environmental sustainability being taken into account within this, let's say, operation. Um, and then on top of that, like I always come back to, to the energy debate, I think, um, yes, like, too much energy consumption and being wasteful, that is not good, you know. Um, but at the same time, it's not the use of energy, it's where the energy comes from. And so using the demand for this technology to incentivize renewable energy infrastructure, whether that be at the source, um, or whether that be through investment in transmission and distribution, or the development of different renewable energy microgrids, even investments into things like nuclear, which can provide a consistent baseload power, the type that's needed to you know, keep a data center up and running and keep these mining operations done, working. Um, there's just, to me, there's a ton that can be incentivized through this growing sector and solutions that you know, are being worked on. Um, so I, I'm more optimistic about the energy consumption within, the, within this operation as opposed to um, calling it bad because we're using a lot of energy so let's go back to the to, to the product in itself um so how long did it take you and your, and your team to, to put together the, the first prototype and what were the, the initial challenges uh how did you overcome them and in a way what kept, what keeps you uh, up at night uh, right now yeah um so from let's say it took about six months to get our, our product to market, including the initial beta launch. Um, so it was super fun. And what we wanted to do essentially was make sure that we were interacting um, with users and gaining feedback to understand, you know, why they were even attracted to this idea of earning trees with their activities. Um, and I think for us right now, I mean, the fun part is really in this um, coming up with the correct technical solution to ensure that we're not just creating a replication of an existing carbon market and then putting it on blockchain and selling it through the app. Like what we're most fascinated about is creating a digital asset with a positive environmental impact. And so the ways that we then engineer and build that asset is there are a lot of technical details that go into it. And yes, we do dream about it. We also have nightmares about climate change. <laughs> but you know, I think that's a <laughs> it's pretty standard, <laughs> right? No, definitely. I mean, it was just like to understand a bit better what, like, if you you guys are facing like any specific challenges today. Uh, you had some in the past, I'm sure. As a, any any startups and founders, you know, or sharing experience about like how you overcome them or what is uh, really like, uh, uh, you know. Um, 
making uh, your night shorter right now and uh, what is exciting you about but uh, yeah let's move on uh, a little bit about um, gamification in itself uh, I know it's a big part of it you explained already uh, the way how it works um, I like to understand a bit like about like what are the, the in a way the tactics or uh, you know process or uh, where you have been developing about like uh, you know gamification to make in a way uh, the engagement higher into uh, into your app uh, what did you know if any like uh, existing app inspired you uh, that you said okay this is a very interesting uh, uh, way of doing it that I should uh, replicate into uh, into my product or not. Um, yeah, so if we're looking at kind of the role that, uh, say, carbon markets and crypto has been evolving over time, I think in 2016, there were a number of products, or sorry, yeah, products, tokens that came out that actually aimed to move the carbon market onto a blockchain um, and also implement some of the same financial mechanisms that you see in terms of like settlement and trading and um, basically clearing and, or the burning of these credits and ensuring that there's no double counting. Um, and through that process, a lot of time has kind of evolved into extrapolating the idea of matching carbon credits with a specific token and that token not only playing a role in DeFi, um, but also playing a role in, let's say, the gamification element or agriculture or a specific, I mean, energy as well has always been, played a role there. And so looking at the way NFTs are now really connected to this sense of creativity and applying that to the metaverse or let's say AR VR solutions and combining that with everything that has been learned from everyone working on tokenizing carbon credits. Like I think there's a total of maybe 54 different projects that are, you know, experimenting within this um, ecosystem. A lot of them have come up with in the past year, but that's essentially been the inspiration. And I guess you could call some of them are competitors, although I, I do think you have everyone working from, you know, creating digital twins of forestry projects and turning that data into a token and selling it. You have some who are um, not just focused on the data itself, but maybe the relationship, like expressing how an individual interacts with its ecosystem through these like AR VR applications. Mm -hmm. um, we have more of the artistic side of things where you see NGOs and nonprofits doing fundraisers and working with artists and selling their creative interpretation of a climate crisis and tacking that on to funding these um, nature-based solutions or different uh, projects that benefit the environment. And so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of pushed us into a direction to really focus on more of the, the gamification element, which I think is untapped at the moment. Um, so the idea of engaging someone on a daily basis, working towards a specific goal, earning a digital asset, and then being able to use that asset outside of the game that is our mobile app um, is a fun way to, I think, understand the incentive structure between individuals and, and the environment and their relationship with earning points, essentially. <laughs> so let, let's go a little bit uh, deeper into the uh, the economics of, uh, of Sadu. Can you tell us a bit more about the, the business model um, in terms of user acquisition? If you have any, any data you can share already, like what are the, the margin? I mean, how are you paying the, the trees? Who is paying the trees? Uh, uh, tell us a bit more about like if uh, investors want to invest in your company, why uh, do they think that uh, more than, uh, you know, uh, 
saving the planet or at least contributing to uh, the, the climate crisis and uh, and putting some uh, very interesting uh, model with uh, nfts why should they invest uh, in in your awesome team yeah awesome <laughs> so from a climate perspective we have about 133 billion per year that's being allocated to nature-based solutions and a lot of um what the issue with that is it's great that that funding is there and there should be even more funding but there is a lack of infrastructure in the way that that funding is distributed to different tree planting projects. Um, so even the idea of creating um, a system in which it's easier to distribute funding from both from voluntary carbon markets to any project that wants to come on board, not necessarily one that has to get a certification through a big, um, let's say, nonprofit or international organization. That is one problem in terms of how we address the climate crisis through the app. And if we boil that down to an individual, as I mentioned earlier, um, we have about 200 of these crew challenges. So basically that is what provides our initial revenue. And um, mm -hmm. it also is what creates a consistent source of funding that we can allocate to the project. And then on top of that, we once we launch the NFTs, that will essentially be another way for us to then, um, let's say charge a commission on the NFTs that are sold when they're eventually sold on a secondary market. But first and foremost, we have these crew challenges um, and we'll also be implementing a subscription model as well so that anyone can earn a specific amount of trees per month, like easy. And then additionally work towards owning these, these NFTs if that is something that they'd like to do. Um, so so, that so basically, yeah. basically the, the, the user like pay upfront uh, in your subscription model and then uh, if it's not working out you guys keep the money you don't invest the trees but if uh, it's working out then it converts into a tree correct for the crew challenges yes correct okay yeah Fantastic. for the yeah subscription model subscription it would be a guaranteed number of trees that would be allocated to the projects regardless okay. of the earning aspect so t tell us a bit more about the, uh, the, the competition today. And you, you mentioned that uh, in a way there's no direct competition, but uh, I'm sure there's like uh, people who are like, uh, in a way taking a piece of, of your potential uh, market. Do you have any like uh, a view on that in the, maybe in, in the EU, in the US, North America in general, or maybe somewhere else in the, in the world? Uh, tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, so I mean, for our overall global market, we were focusing on the growth of the carbon market and combining that with the sale of NFTs. So we should, in 2022 itself, so this year alone, we have about 1.5 billion that could be um, allocated just to this aspect of tokenizing carbon credits. Mm -hmm. um, and that was calculated by basically applying the growth rate of the carbon market to the growth rate of um, NFTs and assuming there was no additional purchase of digital assets within this aspect. Um, and in terms of like direct competitors, we see there are definitely other games out there that are working with this idea of rewarding app users with trees. Um, however, I would say we are competing much more with other apps or subscription services to either trees or offsetting um, carbon credits in which a user can then come and say, hey, I just want to pay and like, you know, be done with it. Um, and so our USP there is to then say, hey, it's another level of engagement of actually um, earning these trees by investing in your personal well-being and creating this sense of 
environmental sustainability that can be scaled into other parts of life, not just a offset and forget mentality. Okay, so in terms of um, scaling, uh, I mean, you mentioned a uh, few hundred, like, I mean, a couple of hundred uh, group of users right now. Um, what is the, the, the path for you guys to, uh, to, to, to grow? Uh, what is your, your roadmap in terms of like really go more aggressively into the, into the market? Uh, how do you see your ways? What are the, ch the, the steps that you need to achieve today to really uh, go at, uh, at scale? Um, so we have a few thousand users on board, which is great. Um, over 30% of them, which have stayed since the very beginning of our first alpha release. Um, and we definitely see that growth rate going up as we have different requests from our app users to implement features around the verification and the gamification that I had mentioned earlier. Um, in terms of where we want to go, first and foremost, like getting the team together to actually launch these NFTs in the app. Um, that is that is our priority and, and what we'll focus on over the next six months. Um, and then there's just, you know, a lot of, uh, I'd say, technical aspects that we would need to work out um, in order to address questions that you had mentioned earlier. So what if the trees die? You know, how do we represent and, and update, you know, the smart contract that we're actually placing on chain um, and ensure that that token still holds value? So working out those types of details is definitely what will consume us for the next year. Um, but we really just want to build our team and, and get these, these NFTs out there. What are the avenues in terms of, uh, of growth? Uh, do you see like more like partnership? Do you see really like acquire, acquiring like user one by one or going with like directly company that, is, uh, that can spread uh, your app through a pool of, uh, of uh, employees? Like what is your, uh, your ways that you think would be the, the in a way the, the fastest and the best way to, to, to scale the the company? Cool. Um, that's a great question. So in the short term, uh, these crew challenges prior, like just in which uh, users are earning trees based off of their fitness activities is our means to growth. So partnering with different companies or um, let's say fitness like festivals, challenges, fitness instructors themselves who have classes or studios that they want to bring more users and kind of create their first, you know, reaction to playing a role in sustainability. Um, so these types of partnerships will eventually help are helping us bring on more users as opposed to just speaking with them one-on-one. Um, -on -one. And then also tapping into this whole eco-conscious side of, of a Web3 community as well, um, that being an avenue for us to, to create more interest um, in the app. Okay. A um, couple of more questions for, to, to close this uh, first part of the interview. Uh, in terms of impact, uh, can you tell us a bit more about like the notion of impact for, for Sadhu at scale, like how far do you think you guys can go in terms of like climate impact and maybe social impact? Uh, what's your vision behind that? Yeah, so I mean, I wish I could say we could plant a specific number of trees per year, but that really does depend a lot on how active everyone is at the moment. <laughs> no, but in, in all seriousness, what gets me excited the most is taking steps towards creating a, a new carbon market um, and really understanding how to create an economy that is tied to a price of carbon or tied to a specific digital asset that actually has an environmental component to it. Um, I think a lot of what I get back to is thinking that the only way to address the climate change is to really account for environmental impact in every single transaction that takes place. And so kind of playing around in this area of um, digital assets 
creates that pathway in order to understand not just carbon, but any type of environmental benefit that can then be transacted between individuals. So I would say like the overall impact I think is, is massive, like understanding how humans transact value and then incorporating, you know, environmental, um, an understanding of the value that the environment provides in every single transaction. Like that's what is needed <laughs> to, solve, <laughs> to solve all of this. Um, and so that would be the dream to build that system out. But, Fantastic. Yeah. So thank you so much for, for spending the, the time uh, so far with us and, and sharing this whole uh, wonderful story. And, and uh, again, we, we had the chance to have a lot of like different women on the, on the show, investors, founders, and always like to, to, to hear a little bit uh, as a woman, as an entrepreneur in the tech and startup uh, ecosystem in itself. How do you see uh, the role of uh, of women like you to uh, to to, f to contribute to the fight of, of climate change? I mean, um, what would you say to to other uh, women who wants to to take part in something and really like act and, and move on into the in, into the, this uh, the, the, this fight? Like, uh, how, how do you think like? they could contribute more because I see that really like it's pushing compared to the, the ecosystem in, uh, in, in itself. And I'd like, like to hear your opinion, like how can you motivate even more women to, uh, to join? Yeah. I mean, I think we have to, it's, we have to support each other as a team, right? So we got to get there, do everything we can, even though it is harder in the beginning and just drag someone else with us. Like no questions asked. Like I'm here, you're going to be here too period. Um, I think that's super helpful. Like there is bias and it's, you know, it's kind of just inherent, I think, in the way humanity has functioned thus far. But with time, I do fully believe that that can be overcome um, and to a point where we can then create a network to support other solutions. And I don't think it's just within climate tech, you know, and any, let's say, solutions that are even oriented more directly towards just making capital. Like, that in itself will be a benefit because it would, you know, reduce the existing bias that exists amongst investors. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. It's hard. I would say it's hard, but we just got to get there. No, I know. I know. But uh, I think it's fantastic to see so many, uh, you know, women uh, like like you and the others that uh, we have seen so far, like really pushing the, the needle further. And, and I know sometimes it can be even harder. So congratulations on uh, all of uh, what you're doing. Uh, quickly, last uh, last question here for this part. Like, what is your personal rega uh, opinion regarding the, the climate crisis? I mean, what would you say to, to, to people who are in a way afraid of all the terrible news that uh, that is happening and 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 uh, all the consequences already visible uh, of climate change today. Uh, as I ask often, are we doomed? Uh, what would you tell them? It is easy to focus on some of the more negative aspects and news that comes out around the climate crisis, and to have this sense this overwhelming sense of being too small to tackle the problem. But essentially it, it is a problem created by a bunch of individual actions. So anything, I really do believe that anything we can take or own on an individual level um, will have an impact and it's not too daunting. Um, and I think there's just a, a lot of good feelings and sense of reciprocity 
that comes from investing into an environment around us and understanding that taking care of the planet is not a sacrifice. It's not, um, you know, an obligation, but rather something that is a matter of self-preservation and feels good is, is a benefit in understanding that relationship with the, with the environment. So that's how I like to frame the, <laughs> the doom and gloom that can be very overwhelming sometimes. Yes, I know, I know, and uh, I, I'm super happy to, to to hear so many positive people like uh, like you, and I, I think I've, I'm part of it as well, like uh, seeing that uh, anyway, uh, the situation is what it is, and uh, the only thing that we can do is uh, is to move on and uh, and try to contribute at uh, every scale that we have uh, towards a, a better solution that uh, can only be better. That's uh, that's for sure. So, how can the, the community of uh, of investors, experts, founders uh, listening today can can help you? Yeah, so we are fundraising right now. Um, so open to talking with anyone interested in joining our journey. Um, likewise, I think potential founders or people who are kind of fascinated by this overlap overlap of um, crypto and climate um, and health and well-being, like let's talk as well. We're always looking to to you know build a team out, expand our co-founding team. Um, where we can be found, I am accessible on obviously LinkedIn, email as well, Brittany at sadu.io and Twitter. That is growing, Brittany himself. Mm. Um, but yeah. So, any question that I did not ask you that I, I should have for this first part of the interview? Not that I can think of, but <laughs> I will let you know if anything comes to mind. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Brittany, for your, your time and your uh, incredible, uh, you know, insight and, and experience and, uh, and, and energy. And, uh, you know, super excited to, to see uh, so many like brilliant people uh, and women like, like you putting so much effort on uh, to move the, the ball towards a, a better and, uh, and a cleaner world. So uh, thank you so much for what you do for everyone and, uh, of us. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Hi, it's Guillaume again. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. As I said, do not hesitate to share an episode with a friend. Also, if you value the work we do for the climate tech ecosystem, here is how you can contribute to it. Today, I'm asking for your support and a donation or sponsorship to make the work of our self-funded team more viable. Even a small contribution means a lot to us. In any case, I will invite you to subscribe to our channels and visit our website startupbscamp.org to discover more episodes like this one and get your membership to access all our members' exclusive content. So remember, all of this is possible because of your support and donation. And we want you to be part of this collective movement against climate change. Let's keep in touch and I hope you will enjoy our next show with us.